new tech can see through walls. You could be surveilled and not even know it. Stabbed with a pencil and the dangers of black licorice. We got that and more coming up tonight. Welcome to the Jay Sheldon Show. Happy Wednesday. It is Wednesday, uh, Wednesday night here in Malaysia, Wednesday morning on the other side of the planet over in the good old U.S. of A. Hello to our uh, live viewers on Facebook. And if you are watching this on our other platforms, rumble.com or YouTube, you're watching the video replay. I expect by the end of this week, if not hopefully by the weekend, uh, we will be back live on all of our platforms. No promises, but we're working on it. So hopefully uh, by at least latest early next week, we will be back on all platforms live because I know we have a big audience over on Rumble and YouTube, but our biggest audience is on Facebook, which is why we have, uh, since we can only go to one platform at the moment, we're going to Facebook and then uploading the video afterwards, plus our podcast, where literally we've got hundreds of folks that download and listen to our show every week. Thank you so much, all you podcast listeners. If you'd like to watch the show or listen to the show, it's the audio part of our show. Just go to whatever platform you get your podcast on, uh, Google, uh, Spotify, Apple, iTunes, uh, all the podcast platforms, we're on them. And search for The Jay Sheldon Show. That's our logo right there. And uh, you'll find it. Just click on it, hit subscribe or follow, whatever they call it on your podcast platform. And and that's it. You got it. And uh, you can listen to our, our show. And thanks to all those of you who, uh, who do. Um, big audience in the U.S., uh, Malaysia, of course. India. Thank you, India, so much. We love you guys over there. We got a great big audience in India, which is fantastic. Uh, good evening, Aldwin. And Zane also has popped in on the show. Um, your, con- your country is the best for doomsday blockbusters. You don't see Singapore opening doors to other dimensions. <laughs> oh, I don't know. What about, well, not Singapore, but what about that CERN thing? You know, that idiotic black hole thing they start up which i saw an article and look i i got a as big of a tinfoil hat as anybody but i saw an article that said doesn't it feel in the last few years that we've just something's twisted something's off things are just not right with the world in general the stupid people are becoming even more stupid and the ridiculous part is that people are actually listening to these morons, these losers. Anyway, somebody made the connection between the CERN, you know, that CERN thing that that goes around and blasts and all that science crap. Anyway, somebody made a connection between that and having opened a portal to something else. I don't know. Uh, whatever. I would have to rewire my, my whole tinfoil hat to uh, to get that that in there all right so anyway yeah zane you're right <laughs> uh other portals okay uh well yeah that's kind of related to what we're talking about on our first story tonight um let's get to our miko update first let's do that all right miko <laughs> 
update. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man, the Miko update. Hang on. Let me get to uh, get over here to this picture. There we go. Remember I told you about that? There she is. I didn't get the picture on the show the other night. Uh, she had a pig ear tonight, so we had to sit with her while she ate it because she tries to eat the whole thing at once and can't swallow it. So we, we got through another pig ear this evening. She was very pleased about that. But uh, this is Miko, who always looks good in red. And so there she is, and there's that tree I was talking about that has these, I don't know what it's called. I didn't look it up. I should have done that. But uh, that's that tree that has all these beautiful red, bright, bright red blossoms. And they happen to be falling on the ground and, you know, makes a great background for the little girl. So there she is. She's doing well. She's having a great time and uh, eating me out of house and home, which is good. But uh, yeah, so she's, she's doing very, very well. Uh, okay, our first story tonight is scary. It sounds like sci-fi. It ain't. It's real. It's kind of opening a door to another dimension. Only this is true. It's from freethink.com. Oh, by the way, if you're watching live on Facebook, I'm sorry. The links are not in our show notes tonight. Normally they would be, but those idiots at Facebook would not let me post my usual links. So what I've got to do is after we're done with the show, I'll go back in and edit the description and I will put the links in the show notes so then you can click on them and check out these articles. We always put the links to the articles we use in our show notes so you can go and check them out, read them yourselves because we don't read the whole article. We just give you some highlights. But man, this one, look at this from freethink.com. New tech can see through walls and, and that ain't all. It can ID you by the way you walk. I did not know this, but people have what's called a gait, your gait. You know, like a horse has a gait. When you walk, that's called your gait. How fast you walk, the style, the way you walk. And apparently it is identifiable almost like a fingerprint because we all walk slightly differently. Nobody walks exactly the same. And so they can actually ID someone through their walk. If they have a sample of you walking, they know is you, and then they see this image with their looking through the walls technology, they watch the gate and it can match. They can tell who... This stuff is way out there, folks, but it is absolutely a fact. It is the strangest thing. A California-based lab is using gate recognition and radio frequency to create a surveillance system that can see through walls. No joke. Bank robber caught on video surveillance in the bank. The suspect, faces obscured, walks calmly out of the bank, cash in the bag, the stunned teller in his wake. Law enforcement believes they've located the subject, but with no way to recognize his face, they can't be sure. So before they risk a raid, the officers use the Wi-Fi signals coming from inside the home, like radar, to see the suspect moving around. Using gate recognition technology, watching how that person walks, they can match his specific movements to the known walk of the robber from the bank security footage and move in for the arrest. Not too sci-fi, is it? A bit scary, 
the tech is nearly ready for use. University of California, Santa Barbara researcher uh, Yasemin Mostofi's lab has already demonstrated it. Radio frequency waves, including Wi-Fi, bounce off and are obscured by objects in their path, including people. And these ripples can be used to identify if someone or something is in the way of the radio waves. So basically they're reading radio waves that can't get through you to see the outline of what you look like. Very weird. The labs also use the technique to accurately estimate the number of people in a room from outside the room where they couldn't see in. The disruptions in the waves are specific to the individual's size, shape, and motion. Wi-Fi and video footage, the lab achieved gate recognition with over 80% accuracy on samples of eight subjects. It's called the X-Modal ID. Identification system recognized the gates captured on Wi-Fi through plywood and drywall. A candidate video provides the researchers with gate information. Then people apparently are able to determine how you move, and everyone moves in a unique way. Uh, It's captured by a computer program, which simulates how they would disrupt the Wi-Fi signal. Using that template, they then use Wi-Fi transceivers to see if the disruptions match the template. Weird stuff. Proposed approach makes it possible to determine if the person behind the wall is the same as the one in known video footage. Using only a pair of off-the-shelf Wi-Fi transceivers outside the room, looking through the wall. This is really weird. I wish they had some... I looked all over. I couldn't find it. Apparently, there is no video footage showing this system working. But um, it's weird. It's a double-edged sword, though. Uh, Those advantages mean it's possible for bad actors to use normal and commonplace devices to set up an RF surveillance system uh, that a victim would be completely unaware of. They could be watching you, you know, people with bad intentions, not necessarily the good guys. Uh, As gate recognition technology improves, the secret sensors could even identify specific people. Doesn't take much imagination to leap to spies, secret police, cloak and dagger stuff, jackboots and truncheons. Uh, It's a good point, says the researcher. Uh, From the research perspective, one of the big challenges we have is to build next generation protocols and networks that can prevent this from happening. Radio frequency jamming devices already exist. They're both illegal to operate in the U.S., and they would disrupt other signals as well, um, which would mean you'd get no Hulu or Tinder, so there you go. But uh, no great sacrifice for some people. Anyway, that's the story. I will put the link in our show notes later, You or if you're listening on the podcast, the video replay, it'll already be there. And uh, check it out. It's from Freethink, and it is just weird. We are... We are moving ahead way too fast, my friends. Way too fast. And uh, I found another article I wanted to share with you just briefly. Again, from freethink.com. Do you know what you're going to do with you when you die? I... (laughs) 
No, I mean, are you going to be buried? Are you going to be cremated? Are you going to, you know, what are you going to do? There's so many options these days. Now, some people's religious beliefs require them to do certain things, and that's their belief, and that's fine. You do you. Uh, other people uh, are able to make decisions or have choices about how they would like to be dealt with after they're dead. Um, for example, I think, and I really need to decide because I'm closer to death than I am to birth, but <laughs> what a morbid thought. Anyway, hey, it's just the truth. That's what you're going to get from me is honesty, all right? Um, <laughs> I think I want to be cremated, but but here's the thing. I've said this before. If If you know me at all, you know what a huge fan of fireworks I am. I absolutely love fireworks to death. Fireworks have made me cry. They were, at one point, they were just so beautiful. I actually teared up. I know, I'm a weakie, but, you know, there you go. Um, anyway, love fireworks, always have loved fireworks. And I saw a company, I think it's in the U.S., I saw a company that would take your ashes after you're cremated, mix them in the ball with, with the firework, and then, boom, shoot you up in the air. Can you imagine... Your last thing is a giant chrysanthemum firework exploding in the sky. Baby, you're a firework. Yeah, see, I told you I can't sing. Anyway, <laughs> I think that would be the coolest thing ever. If, if I could find a way to do that, I would do that. For those of you who are a bit more concerned about the planet, you know, with all this client climate change crap going on lately. Here's an idea for you. Links in our show notes. It's from Freethink, America's first funeral home for composting human remains is open for business. <laughs> Apparently, they think we're living in a very death-positive society these days. Uh, the death-positive movement gaining momentum, the idea of human remains becoming rich soil that can need to new life seems oddly refreshing. I've seen ads where they would take your remains and put them in a seed pod, and that would have a, a, a tree seed in it, whether it's a maple or an oak or whatever, and then so your remains would fertilize the tree. But this is even another step beyond that. Death comes to all of us, and it's never easy. Cemeteries and funeral homes don't give you the warm fuzzies. Then how about considering having your body covered in soil and bacteria so it can be composted to mulch? Yes, you'd be mulch in your next life. Uh, the, idea, the idea of human remains becoming rich soil that can lead to new life to some seems oddly refreshing. After a decade of planning and fundraising and a successful bid to change Washington state law, Recompose is a composting funeral home. That's what it's called, Recompose. And they are finally open for business. They received their first body in December, looked somewhat like a giant beehive in a warehouse, each hexagon shape long as a tube filled with wood chips, alfalfa, and straw. And that's where they put you. A little organic material, mulching bacteria, and you turn into a giant 
box of mulch. Out you go. The process called the natural organic reduction takes about a month and costs 5,500 USD. Ouch! Family can then decide to find a home in nature for the remains or recompose. will deliver it to the Bells Mountain Conservation Forest in southern Washington. Despite, <laughs> despite ashes to ashes and dust to dust being a recurring theme in many funeral ceremonies, recompo- uh, recomposting human remains wasn't legal. It wasn't a legal way of disposing of a body until recently. Uh, when they un- the founder of Recompose, Katrina Spade, undertook the case. Weird story, but it's happening. It's legal. It's going on now in Washington State in the U.S. So there you go. If you want to read the whole article, check it out. It's in our show notes tonight. And uh, yeah, you could turn into something finally useful in your life. Mulch! <laughs> Sorry, coffee break time. <laughs> Some coffee. Oh, my goodness. What else is happening? Oh, I know what we're going to cover tonight. <laughs> uh, here, let me hold on. Let me get to the uh, the other camera here and switch over to... There we go. All right. Let me show you. I don't know if this camera is going to pick it up or not. It's so faint now, but it's still there. Can you see on camera right above my finger? See that little dark mark? It's kind of hard to see, but it's right there on my wrist. That's my Helen Burroughs mark. Helen, if you're listening or watching, God love you. It's been, I was thinking about this today. It's been over 50 years since I've seen Helen Burroughs. And the reason I call it my Helen Burroughs mark is because she stabbed me with a pencil. Or to be more correct about it, I stabbed myself with her pencil. Uh, Helen was one of the kids in school that got picked on a lot, sadly, because she's a wonderful woman. And uh, so we were in um, fifth grade. And in Cornwall Consolidated School, we all had individual desks. We had chairs and desks. And we each sat, of course, in front of each other. And so I decided I was going to turn around quick and slam my finger, my hands down on her desk and yell and scare her. She was behind me. So I would whip around and go, boom, bah, like that. So I did. I whipped around and I went, bleh. What I didn't know is Helen was sitting like this on her desk. And right here was her pencil sticking up point end. So when I went, bah, I lifted up my hand and her pencil was stuck in my wrist. Didn't go in far, just the little lead part. I mean, it's graphite, but the the little graphite part on the end that was sharpened went in there. So I was like, uh, joke was on me, pulled the pencil out, gave it back. Sorry, turned around and mind my own business. That was in fifth grade. I would guess, how old would I have been in fifth grade? Maybe 12? That's over 50 years ago. To this day, July 20th, 2022, that mark is still there. And there is a link in our show notes. I will show you the article right now. you got to read it. It's from a cool site called moms.com. 
And it said, why getting stabbed with a pencil leaves a mark for years. There's the proof. It's right there on my wrist. Why does it stick around? Should you be worried after so many years why the mark is still there? There's actually a uh, a picture here of someone who's got, well, it's, it's on their hand, not on their wrist. There's a guy with one on his forehead. Ah, the old pencil stab, a rite of passage, whether you're stabbed on purpose or by accident. If you're of a certain age, you probably have your very own permanent mark to remember the occasion. As do I. Uh, hands, feet, arms, face, pencil stabbings happen everywhere. Uh, nowadays, we really don't have to worry about things like lead poisoning because they haven't used real lead in pencils in many, many decades. But uh, the mark will stick around for years, over 50 in my case, uh, which you may have noticed if you got stabbed by a pencil in the first grade and still have the mark on your skin. For me, it was fifth grade. Uh, and people on Twitter recently shared their own pencil stabs uh, and uh, it is hilarious how relatable they all were. Uh, but why does it stick around and should you be worried? No, the answer basically is you shouldn't be worried. But because what happens is that the graphite gets in the uh, layers of skin, uh, what happens is it's, it, it's basically going into the same layer like when you get a tattoo, so it's the same kind of thing when you get a tattoo, the dermis layer just below the outer epidermis layer. And that's why, the same reason a tattoo sticks around forever, that your pencil mark, if you've ever been stabbed by one, also sticks around forever. Just a weird little thing that I can totally relate to, and I wanted to share that with you tonight. If you want to read the whole article, it's quite cool. There's some interesting information in there, and the link is in our show notes tonight, so do uh, do check that out. All right, what else we got? Oh, the oh yeah, this is a cool one. Do you like licorice? I found, I do, I love licorice. Black licorice, red licorice, which some people claim, I mean, true licorice aficionados say red licorice isn't licorice. I don't care. Whatever. It's called red licorice, and I love it. But black licorice, to me, is, oh, love it. People, I found, are on either black or white. There is no in between. There aren't. There aren't. There isn't. I've never met anybody who's like, "Nah, it's all right. Take it or leave it." You either hate it or you love it. Believe it or not, there is a spooky and a dangerous side to black licorice. Not kidding. In September of 2020, a couple years ago, it was reported that black licorice was the culprit in the death of a 54-year-old man. Yeah, death caused by licorice. Now, this is not purely licorice, this picture. If you're listening to the podcast, check out the link in our show notes. These, I love these. You can actually find these in Malaysia. You can find them everywhere in the U.S. I used to eat them all the time, but rarely can you find them. There aren't a few specialty shops here in Malaysia, and when I see them, I buy them because these are to die for. The little black parts you see are actually the black licorice, and then this is like a, a candy. It's a soft candy sugar kind of coating. Oh, they are delicious to die for. Anyway, black licorice may look and taste like an innocent treat, but it does apparently have a dark side. 
In 2020, reported black licorice was the culprit in the death of a 54-year-old man from Massachusetts. Now, how can that be, you're asking? Well, apparently it is possible to overdose on licorice. I shouldn't be laughing, the guy died, but it, it sounds more like a twisted tale than a plausible fact. Um, chemicals in our food and the environment affect our body and our mind. Something seemingly harmless like licorice is implicated in a death. We are reminded of the famous proclamation by Swiss physician uh, Paracelsus, the father of toxicology. Mm. All things are poison. Nothing is without poison. The dosage alone makes it so a thing is not a poison. Ha! Huh. This article written by a professor in the Department of Pharmacology and Toxology, and he's an author of the book called Please to Meet Me, Genes, Germs, and the Curious Forces that Make Us Who We Are. That sounds like a cool book. Apparently, this guy who lost his life because of excessive black licorice consumption isn't alone. There are a smattering of similar cases in medical journals in which patients experienced hypertension crisis, muscle breakdowns, or even death because of an OD of black licorice. Look, I like black licorice, but I'm not going to eat that much of it. Adverse reactions most frequently seen in people over the age of 40 who are eating far more black licorice than the average person. They're usually consuming the product over prolonged periods of time. And in the most recent case, in 2020, the guy in Massachusetts, he had been eating... Oh, <laughs> he had been eating a bag and a half of licorice every day for Three weeks. Man. I, oh, now that kind of doesn't surprise me. A bag and a half of licorice every day for three weeks. Are you out of your mind? Licorice, if you didn't know, is a flowering plant native to parts of Europe and Asia. Uh, its scientific name, Glyceriza. Glyceriza, derived from the Greek word glycos, sweet, and riza, root. The aromatic extract from its roots has been used as an herbal remedy for a lot of health maladies, everything from heartburn to stomach issues to sore throats and cough. But there is insufficient evidence to support that licorice is effective in treating any medical uh, conditions. Anyway, that's a picture of, uh, of what the licorice plant looks like. And uh, there's more information in that article. You want to check it out. But yes, it is possible in case you woke up this morning and said, could I die from eating licorice? Apparently, the answer is yes, you can. Just don't eat that much. <laughs> All right. A couple more uh, articles here. And then we are going to move on to our uh, book, The Adventures of Sherlock Holmes. I think we're going to wrap up this, uh, this one tonight. Um, yeah. Oh, Bonodori, as you know, just happened last weekend. It was a huge success. I think I saw estimates of 35,000 over people who attended. Fantastic. Absolutely incredible. And guess what? It ain't over. Well, Bonodori is over. But check this out from World of Buzz. Links in our show notes if you want all the details. 
After Bon Odori, another Japanese festival is coming to Malaysia on the 27th of July. That's just seven days from now. It is Nihon Matsuri. And uh, the Nihon Matsuri, Matsuri Festival will be happening 27th of July. Um, yeah, see that? 35,000 people overgathered, celebrated the beauty of the culture of Japan. And if you missed it, or you couldn't get enough, or you just can't get enough of uh, Japanese festivals, uh, fret not, another huge festival coming at the end of July. Organized by Trumpet International, the Japanese festival named Nihon Matsuri will be held from the 27th to the 31st of this month, just a week away, at Stadium Bukajalil Car Park B. Uh, According to the Embassy of Japan here in Malaysia, five-day-long festival will be the largest Japanese uh, event held in Malaysia this year, the purpose of promoting and advocating Japanese culture to Malaysians. And there you go, Nihon Matsuri, uh, 27th through 31st at Bukit Jalil, the stadium car park. And uh, it'll be filled with games, cultural performances, photo spots, food, of course, beverages, and many more things lined up. And there will be Sakura and Shinto gate photo spots for Malaysians to experience what it's like in Japan, sort of, uh, as well as a lot of food choices. And, uh, wow, very cool idea. Also, oh, this is what's going to draw me to this thing. The kendo and drum performances will be available. Uh, Yosakoi Soran, kendo and drum performance is also available. Uh, unlike Bon Odori, where people are free to join, uh, the Nihon Matsuri entrance ticket has a price of 10 bucks so it will cost you 10 bucks to get in uh and that's that single day entrance but that's really very very cheap and lots of stuff going on uh, there's a link there in the article where you can get advanced tickets so do check that out and it, it should be a lot of fun i hope i hope i can make this one because uh i was very upset i missed obon festival this year in malaysia after it finally came back So, there you go. Yet another one happening here. All right. We always wrap up our show. By the way, now I'm going to save it. I'll save it for our next show on Saturday night. It's it's an article Zane posted, but I I had comments. It'll it'll be old news by that time, but it's still valid because I'm sure it will still be happening. The stupidity of people on trains. I know. We'll get to it. We already covered something like this before. We're going to cover it again. All right, we always end with a a little piece of good news, and this touched my heart. It's from one of my favorite sites on Facebook called Heartwarming. And uh, it it involves this picture of a shirt. And as I recall, come to think of it, I think my father had a shirt that looked like this. Anyway, the article, or the write-up about this shirt with all the holes burned into it, reads like this. Please listen closely. You see this old shirt? I wore it to my son's first baseball game tonight. Not because I wanted to, but because I'd just gotten off work. I'm a welder. Clothes don't last long before they just catch on fire constantly. Remember, I had just gotten off work in time to make it to my son's first ever baseball game. Everyone was staring at me up and down, as if I were trash. Steady looking me up and down. Yes, my shirt has holes in it. Because this shirt 
has caught fire more times than I can say, along with every other shirt I work in. What they don't know is that this shirt also helped me pay bills and put food on the table. Quit judging people by what they wear. I'm not poor, and I'm not worthless. I work for a living, and all I have is work and bedtime clothes, and I'm in the only one that sponsored my kids' team. Where was your suit and tie when it came to signing up to be a sponsor? Wow. Do not judge a person by what they wear. A book by its cover, as they say. Well said. And uh, I'll stick that link in the show notes, too. You can find that at the bottom of the list and uh, check it out. It Again, I've read the whole thing, so you can read it again if you want. But more importantly, maybe you can take that and share it on your own page or tweet it out and uh, let people know. Don't judge people like that. Huh? All right. You ready for a little Sherlock? I am. Uh, we were on the case of the blue... Wow. What was that? That's not supposed to be there. Watch live as I fix my Sherlock Holmes book title cover page. There we go. I don't know what's going on with this thing. Ah, uh, there you go. Now you can see me and the book cover. All right. We are... Uh... <laughs> We are doing Sherlock Holmes, and we've been dealing with the case of the Blue Carbuncle, and uh, I think we're probably going to wrap this up tonight. So, I don't. By the way, I don't know what's going to happen with that with that book cover when it changes automatically to the next one. It may take over the screen again. I have no idea. So we'll figure it out when we get there. All right. Well, Mr. Henry Baker showed up after they uh, invited him to. Uh, the place with their advertisement in the newspaper, if you've been following along on our adventures of Sherlock Holmes in this particular case. Um, so uh, as Holmes rose from his armchair and greeted the visitor with an air of geniality, uh, pray take the chair by the fire, Mr. Baker, he said. It's cold night. Your circulation's more adapted for summer than for winter. And uh, Watson had just arrived, and Holmes said, is that your hat, Mr. Baker? Yes, sir, that undoubtedly is my hat. He was a large man with rounded shoulders, a massive head, and a broad, intelligent face sloping down to a pointed beard of grizzled brown, a touch of red in the nose and cheeks with a slight tremor of his extended hand, recalled Holmes' surmise as to his habits. His rusty black frock coat was buttoned right up in front, with the collar turned up and his lank wrists protruding from his sleeves without a sign of cuff or shirt. He spoke in slow, staccato fashion, choosing his words with care, and gave the impression generally of a man of learning and letters who had ill usage of the hands of fortune. We've retained these things for some days, said Holmes, because we expected to see an advertisement from you giving your address. I'm at a loss to know why you didn't advertise. Our visitor gave a rather shamefaced laugh. 
"'Shillings have not been so plentiful with me as they once were,' he remarked. I, "'I had no doubt that the gang of roughs who assaulted me "'had carried off both my hat and the bird. "'I didn't care to spend more money in a hopeless attempt at recovering them.' "'Very naturally. Uh, "'By the way, about the bird, we were compelled to eat it.' "'To eat it?' our visitor half rose from his chair in the excitement. Yes, it, it would have been of no use to anyone who had not done so, but I presume that this other goose upon the sideboard, which is about the same weight and perfectly fresh, will answer your purpose equally well. Oh, certainly, certainly, answered Mr. Baker with a sigh of relief. Of course, we still have the feathers, legs, crop, and so on of your own bird, so if you wish, the man burst into a hearty laugh. They, they might be useful to me as relics of my adventure, said he, but beyond that I can hardly see what the disfecta membra of my late acquaintance is going to be any good to me. Uh, no, sir, I think that with your permission I'll confine my attentions to the excellent bird uh, which I perceive upon the sideboard. Sherlock Holmes glanced sharply across at me with a slight shrug of his shoulders. "'Well, there is your hat, then, and there is your bird,' said he. Uh, "'By the way, would it bore you to tell me where you got the other one from?' "'I'm somewhat of a foul fancier, and I've seldom seen a better-grown goose.' "'Oh, certainly, sir,' said Baker, who'd risen and tucked his newly gained property under his arm. "'There are a few of us who frequent the Alpha Inn near the museum.' We're, we're to be found in the museum itself during the day, you understand. This year, our good host, Windigate by name, instituted a goose club by which, on consideration of some few pence each week, we were each to receive a bird at Christmas. My pence were duly paid, and the rest is familiar to you. I'm much indebted to you, sir, for a Scotch bonnet is fitted neither to my years nor my gravity." With a comical pomposity of manner, he bowed solemnly to both of us and strode off on his way. Well, so much for Mr. Henry Baker, said Holmes, when he closed the door behind him. It is quite certain that he knows nothing whatever about the matter. Are you hungry, Watson? Not particularly. Uh, then I suggest that we turn our dinner into a supper and follow up this clue while it's still hot. Oh, by all means. It was a bitter night, so we drew on our ulsters and wrapped cravats around our throats. Outside, the stars were shining coldly in a cloudless sky, and the breath of the passers-by blew into smoke like so many pistol shots. Our footfalls rang out crisply and loudly as we thrung, swung through the doctor's quarter, Winpole Street, Harley Street, and through the Wigmore Street onto Oxford Street. In a quarter of an hour, we were in Bloomsbury at the Alpha Inn, which is a small public house at the corner of one of the streets which runs down into Holborn. Holmes pushed open the door of the private bar and ordered two glasses of beer from the ruddy-faced, white-aproned landlord. "'Your beer should be excellent if it is as good as your geese,' said he. "'My geese?' the man seemed surprised. Uh, "'Yes, I was speaking only half an hour ago to Mr. Henry Baker, "'who was a member of your goose club.' 
Ah, yes, I see. But uh, you see, them's not our geese. Indeed. Whose then? Well, I got the two dozen from a salesman in Covent Garden. Indeed. I know some of them. Which was it? Breckenridge was his name. Ah, I don't know him. Well, here's to your good health, landlord, and prosperity to your house. Good night. Now, for Mr. Breckenridge, he continued, buttoning up his coat as we came out into the frosty air. Remember, Watson, that though we have so homely a thing as a goose at one end of this chain, we have at the other a man who will certainly get seven years' penal servitude unless we can establish his innocence. It is possible that our inquiry might but confirm his guilt— But in any case, we have a line of investigation which has been missed by the police, and which a singular chance has placed in our hands. Let us follow it out to the bitter end. Faces to the south, then, and quick march. Well, we passed along Holborn down Endell Street and through a zigzag of slums to Covent Garden Market. One of the largest stalls bore the name of Breckenridge upon it, and the proprietor, a horsey-looking man with a sharp face and trim side-whiskers, was helped by a boy to put up the shutters. "Uh, "'Good evening. It's a cold night,' said Holmes. The salesman nodded and shot a questioning glance at my companion. "'Sold out of geese, I see,' continued Holmes, pointing at the bare slabs of marble. "'Let you have five hundred tomorrow morning.' "'Oh, that's no good.' Uh, Well, there are some on the stall with the gas flare. Ah, but I was recommended to you. By who? Uh, The landlord of the Alpha. Ah, yes, sent him a couple of dozen. Fine birds they were, too. Now, where do you get them from? Well, to my surprise, the question provoked a burst of anger from the salesman. Now then, mister, said he, with his head cocked and his arms akimbo, "'What are you driving at? Let's have it straight now.' "'Oh, it's straight enough. I should like to know who sold you the geese which you supplied to the Alpha.' "'Well, then, I shan't tell you. So now.' "'Oh, it's a matter of no importance, but I don't know why you'd be so warm over such a trifle.' "'Warm? You'd be as warm, maybe, if you were as pestered as I am.' When I pay good money for a good article, there should be an end to business. But it's where are the geese, or who did you sell the geese to, and what will you take for the geese? One would think they were the only geese in the world, to hear all the fuss that's made over them. Well, I have no connection to any other people who've been making inquiries, said Holmes carelessly. If you won't tell us, the bet is off, that's all. But I already was back to my opinion. It's a matter of fowls, and I have a fiver on it that the bird I ate is country bread. Well, then, you lost your fiver, for it's town bread, snapped the salesman. Oh, it's nothing of the kind. I say it is. I don't believe it. Do you think you know more about fowls than I who've handled them ever since I was a nipper. I'll tell you, all those birds went to the Alpha were town-bred. Well, you'll never persuade me to believe that. Will you bet, then? It's merely taking your money, for I know that I'm right, but I'll have a sovereign on with you, just to teach you not to be obstinate. 
The salesman chuckled grimly. Bring me the books, Bill, said he. Well, the small boy brought round a small, thin volume and a great greasy black one, laying them out together beneath the hanging lamp. Now then, Mr. Cocksure, said the salesman, I thought that I was out of geese, but before I finish, you'll find there is still one left in my shop. You see this little book? Well, that's the list of the folk from whom I buy. Do you see? Well, then, here on this page are the country folk, and the number after their names are where their accounts are in the big ledger. Now, then, you see this other page in red ink? Well, that's a list of my town suppliers. Now, you look at that third name. Read it out to me. Mrs. Oakshot. 117 Brixton Road, 249, read Holmes. Quite so. Now, turn that up in the ledger. Holmes turned to the page and indicated, Here you are. Mrs. Oakshot, 117 Brixton Road, Egg and Poultry Supplier. Now then, what's that last entry? December 22nd, 24 geese at 7 shillings 6. Quite so. There you are. And underneath? Sold to Mr. Windigate of the Alpha at twelve shilling. What do you have to say now? Sherlock Holmes looked deeply cringed. He threw a sovereign from his pocket, threw it down on the slab, turned away with the air of a man whose disgust is too deep for words, and a few yards off he stopped under the land post and laughed in the hearty, noiseless fashion which was popular to him. When you see a man with the whiskers of that cut and the pink unprotruding out of his pocket, you can always draw him by a bet, he said. I dare say if I'd put a hundred pound down in front of him, the man wouldn't have given me such a complete information as was drawn from him by the idea that he was doing me on a wager. Well, Watson, we are, I fancy, nearing the end of our quest. The only point which remains to be determined, is whether we should go on to Mrs. Oakshot tonight, or whether we should reserve it for tomorrow. It's clear from what that surly fellow said, there are others besides ourselves who are anxious about the matter, and I should... His remarks were suddenly cut short by a loud hubbub which broke out from the stall that we'd just left. Turning around, we saw a little rat-faced fellow, standing in the center of the circle of yellow light, which was thrown by the swinging lamp, while Breckenridge, the salesman, framed in the door of his stall, was shaking his fist fiercely at the cringing figure. "'I've had enough of you and your geese,' he shouted. "'I wish you were all at the devil together. "'If you come pestering me any more with your silly talk, "'I'll set the dog at you.' You bring Mrs. Oakshot here, and I'll answer her. But what have you to do with it? Did I buy the geese off you? No, but one of them was mine all the same, whined the little man. Well, then, ask Mrs. Oakshot for it. She told me to ask you. Well, you can ask the King of Prussia, for all I care. I've had enough of it. Get out of this. He fiercely rushed forward, and the inquirer flitted away into the darkness. This may save us a visit to Brixton Road, whispered Holmes. Come with me, and we'll see what's to be made of this little fellow.
that's where we'll leave it for tonight. <laughs> In the adventures of Sherlock Holmes and this, the mystery of the blue carbuncle. We'll wrap this uh, adventure up on uh, Saturday night on our stream and uh, move on to yet another adventure of Sherlock Holmes. That's going to do it for tonight. Thanks for listening in on our podcast and watching in on our live stream on Facebook and, of course, our video replay on Rumble.com and YouTube also. We'll see you over there. And please do like, follow, and subscribe. Really helps a lot. Doesn't cost you a dime. Uh, Aldwin. What now? No Way Home is being released on the 8th of September in Golden Screen Cinemas, this time with more fun stuff. Do you plan to watch it? Um, again, I'm always honest with you about this stuff. I wouldn't go out of my way to watch it because I'm not a, I told you before, I'm not a big, big fan. If I get a chance, yes, I probably will. But uh, I, I, I wouldn't fight a snowstorm to get to the cinema to see it. But, okay, what, it, what does intrigue me is they, I've seen these ads. They say it has more fun stuff. Uh, here in Malaysia, that could get you banned. <laughs> All right, I got to go before I say something that will get me in more trouble. I'll see you on Saturday night. The Jay Sheldon Show. Good night, folks. Yeah.